what business owners need to do is actually think of their business as an asset rather than just growing the revenue. And they need to think of their business through the buyer's lens. What makes their business a risk to someone acquiring it today and how do they reduce that risk? And if they think about it like that from a buyer's lens, then they'll actually you know, be able to exit their business. The, the myth, if you like, is that every business is worth something and it can be sold. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have an amazing guest. We have Daryl Bates Brownsword. Daryl, I'm so honored to have you here. Please jump in and tell us who are you and what's your mission? Daryl Bates Brownsword, yes. I run a consulting business called Succession Plus. Succession Plus is designed to help mid-market entrepreneurs and business owners to exit their business on their terms. What do we mean by that? 20% of businesses that go to market get sold. So one in five gets sold. We want to change that. Why? It's just so avoidable. Business owners want to get the most from their life's work. They want to maximize value after they've built their business for 10, 15, 20 years or more. You know, They think of their business as contributing to life after work and funding life after work. And we want to make sure that this actually happens. With only one in five actually going to exit, succeeding, that's not enough. That's disappointing for too many business owners. And then those that do actually sell, most of them end up in some sort of earnout agreement. And we all know that earnout agreements just don't work. That's what we're all about, helping business owners prepare their business so that they can exit on their terms and maximize value. The business is called Succession Plus, and we operate, we've got consultants in Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. I'm Australian. I happen to be based in the UK. Most entrepreneurs, when they think of that exit, it is just go up a little bit, Daryl. Like it or not, every entrepreneur is going to exit their business one day. Whether they plan it or not, they're going to exit. Let's do it on their terms. What's the biggest misconception about selling a business? The biggest misconception is that every business can get sold. I've worked with a lot of business owners that say, hey, look, Daryl, I'll just keep growing the revenue of my business. And if I keep growing my revenue of my business, my business will get big enough. And one day, some uh, knight in shining arm is going to roll up on their golden horse and just offer me a bucket load of cash and I can then just ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. The reality is that just rarely happens. So what business owners need to do is actually think of their business as an asset rather than just growing the revenue. And they need to think of their business through the buyer's lens. What makes their business a risk to someone acquiring it today and how do they reduce that risk? And if they think about it like that from a buyer's lens, then they'll actually be able to exit their business. The myth, if you like, is that every business is worth something and it can be sold. And the reality is that only 20% of businesses that go to market actually get sold. The rest just evaporate, disappear, close down, fire sale, or what have you. You've got to set your business up for exit. That's the key message here. When exactly should an entrepreneur or a business owner begin thinking about an exit plan? There's a lot of talk about, oh, you know, investors don't like people who build businesses to sell or entrepreneurs that are not that passionate about their business and are just thinking about an exit. You know, there's so many voices out there in the marketplace. So maybe you can clarify for us. Yeah, it's a really good question there. And some people are saying, as you're saying, hey, I'm never going to sell my business. I'm never going to leave. Well, you're doing your family a disservice if you're thinking like that, because at some point, you know, we're all fallible. We are going to exit. If we don't plan it, we're not looking after our family or whoever comes after us. The employees in the business as well. Hypothetically, the best time to think about your business exit 
exit is when you start the business, right? So begin with the end in mind. How are you going to exit your business? Because there's so many options of how you will exit your business, whether it's family succession, employee ownership is becoming more popular, or trade sale, or IPO, or sell to a competitor, what have you. You need to know what your aspirations are. Now, some business owners come to us thinking, hey, look, they'll leave it to the end and they'll go, look, I'm just so stressed and frustrated. I need to get out of my business. I want to sell it now. Can't help you. We can't help a broker or a corporate finance house might be able to help you. But if we want to maximize value and if we want to exit on our terms, you need to start planning three years beforehand. Why? Because buyers are looking for a series. They want to look at your revenue. What's happened to your financials over the last three to five years? They want to see growth. They don't want to see plateau. The more we can work on it and demonstrate that the business is less dependent on the founders of the business, the more attractive it becomes. So three years minimum, pay your business for exit. Now, sometimes I say to business owners, hey, look, it takes three years to prepare your business for exit. You can do that before the transaction or you can do it after the transaction. After the transaction is what's known as an earnout period. And we all know that earnout periods just don't work. And that's a classic example of not exiting on your terms. We're trying to avoid the earnout as much as possible because that's just, you know, the buyers dictating terms. Down is just like terrible employees working for someone else. So we want to avoid that as much as possible for everyone's benefit, really. Building your business and considering it as an asset. I think that's really important. Daryl, if you could talk us through some of the terms, I think some of our audience may not be familiar with, you know, you mentioned an earnout, and you also mentioned a couple of options in terms of exit. So an earnout is basically when a buyer says, hey, your business isn't ready for exit. And as it is, it's too big a risk. Typically, because the business is too dependent on the founders' day-to-day roles in the business. The founders are often the best salespeople or the best technical people in their business, depending on what sort of business it is. And their whole identity is locked up in being the business owner and being the key point central to that business. From an exit strategy, that's terrible. That's the worst thing you can do. So an owner or an acquirer comes in and says, hey, look, I'm interested in buying your business. Oh, I can see the business is dependent on you. Well, what we need to do is have an agreement. I'll buy the business from you for this much, but I will give you this much up front. And over the next three years, you can earn the rest of this out. And the earn out is based on you being involved in the business over the next three years and you making sure that all of those forecasts that you put in place will actually be achieved. There'll be some other terms and other conditions, but it's basically saying the business is too risky to acquire without you being involved. I need to lock you in to make sure that I get the return on my investment. So that's an earn-out period. In terms of the different types of exit, what's becoming more popular is employee ownership. So employee ownership is where the founders are basically saying, hey, look, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be this successful in a business and as a business owner without these fantastic employees who've helped me along the way. It's a team effort. These guys have been with me from startup to where we are now. It's just awesome having them involved. One way I can reward them is I can sell my business to someone else and give them some sort of bonus, depending on which country you're in, these different rules and requirements, but all developed countries have got some sort of schemes in place where there are tax benefits if we sell our business to the employees. Now, selling the business to employees, it's an amazing strategy and it's a great initiative, but it has to be done right. We have to make sure that the employees are skilled up and we educate them into how the business is run and all the key nuances of the things that the founder has typically done over the years. There are structures and trusts that can be created for the employees to acquire the business with no money up front and no risk and the owner is paid out from future profits. 
So they effectively, really crude terms here, they effectively set up a structure, a trust structure where there's no risk to the employees, but the structure owns the business. The employees run the business as the business has always been run. They agree what the business is worth, whatever the number is. They'll pay that off over future profits to the owner. Once it's paid down, you know, all future profits can be distributed to the employees as a whole, and they own the business as a whole. The trust then runs the business on behalf of the beneficiaries, which are the employees, and depending which country you are, will determine how the rules are for that. So that's employee ownership, and that's becoming more popular. Great strategy. IPO is when the business becomes really big. It becomes a public company and it's sold on the stock exchange effectively. So that's a public company. We can have family succession. That's when you know the founders grow the business up and the next generation of a family flow through and take over the reins. Sons, daughters, nieces, nephews, what have you. They come in and you get a natural family succession that way. Sometimes you can do an MBO. MBO is a management buyout. Management buyout is when one or two or three or a handful of key employees, typically leaders, come to the owners and go, hey, look, collectively, we want to buy the business from you. So we've put a deal together. We may have gone to the market and got a bank or some other funder to help us with money. We've financed this and we want to buy the business from you as a collective. So that's the combination of the leadership team that a management buyout. Trade sale is effectively when I sell my business and it's sold to someone else in the trade. So typically a competitor. Now, that's good and bad. It's good for competitors. They want to buy a business. They want to buy effectively your client base and expand their business growth through acquisition is good. From a selling strategy, you're not going to get the highest revenue. You're not going to get the highest valuation for your business because they don't want to buy your systems, your brand. They might want to buy your proprietary product or your intellectual property if you've got it, but they just want to expand their client base and acquire your clients. The sweet spot is when you make your business attractive to a strategic buyer. And a strategic buyer is typically someone who doesn't already operate in either the geographic area or the product area in terms of the product you've got. So what they're saying is that your business as a standalone entity is a complete package. It does everything itself and your business would make a really nice contribution to their overall product portfolio and their business portfolio and it would add to it. It would add strategic value to their business as a whole and your business is already standalone. It doesn't need any additional management support to keep it going. So in that scenario, they're going to say, you can bring more value to our business. We'll pay you a bit more for it. It's more attractive to to us to buy your business than to start from scratch and build something from the beginning. They're probably the main areas and some of the more common areas. And yeah, I guess the things we don't want to talk about is a fire sale or a collapse. I was talking to someone earlier this morning. She ran a manufacturing business. She sold the brand. She didn't prepare the business for exit. All she was able to do was just end up having a bit of a brand that was a little bit of attractive. She sold the brand to a competitor. She had her premises. It wasn't an attractive lease and she had all of her equipment left over. So all she could get for that was basically fire sale price on her equipment. And she says, I'm a great example of what happens when you don't prepare for exit. Just a quick ask. If you're finding this information helpful, please share it with someone that you know would love this conversation and would find this information beneficial. Thank you again for listening in. And let's jump back into our conversation. Uh, Daryl, you know, our audience is early entrepreneurs. So to them, they may be thinking, okay, as I'm starting out with my business idea, Daryl, and I'm hearing all these options and I don't know much about them, is that the point in which I engage someone at idea phase or beginning phase or 
what should I just begin to mentally do in my mind in preparation for that kind of a planned exit? What you could do is you can come to our website. We've got a white paper called 15 Tips to Increase the Value. I'll give you a link to where that is. And it's just a free you know, couple of pages which start the education process, I guess. It's all the 15 top strategies that you could put in your business that help you start thinking from a revenue perspective to what increases the asset value of my business. So there's one thought. If you really start up in early stages, you may want to think about how you're going to exit and what sort of time frame you are. So that helps you appreciate how big you'll get your business. If you've got a certain time frame, how far you can get in that time frame may create some limitations as to how far you'll get and how big you'll get. So therefore, what your options are available to you. If you're in startup and if you're a bootstrapping, you're self-funding the startup, hey, let's face it, the reality is you're not thinking about exit. You're thinking you've got the whole future ahead of you, especially if you're younger. And the number one thing you need to be focusing on now is bringing clients in and proving the concept. So all of your energy is going into getting this baby up and running and bringing clients in and proving that you can do that. Increase your capacity as your revenue increases and keep growing your business. Once you've got about 10 or 12 people in your business, you're at a size where you need to start thinking about a management structure. Why? Because a span of control for one person is you know seven and 10 people at a stretch. I can control everything that's going on in my business if there's just me and I've only got seven people. Every person can have a direct relationship straight to me. And you'll see that that's why a number of businesses sort of cap out and plateau at about a million pounds revenue in the UK. It's about one and a half to two million dollars in Australia and similar in the US, that one, one and a half sort of million mark. 10-ish people. There's a lot of businesses that just cap off at that level. And it's because the founder or founders haven't figured out a way, how do I create a structure, an operating structure in my business that allows me to delegate tasks and maintain control? You know, they all hear that, you know, as I, I work on my business, I need to figure out a structure to delegate tasks. But delegation isn't abdication. It's not just dumping it on the person and then just hope that they can cope. You need to train them how to do it. That's a functional operating structure to grow with my business. Now, that's going to be a fantastic foundation as you start to continue to grow and scale your business. And that structure will still be really useful for when you're starting to think about exit. That structure means that you can build the business so that you're not involved or you're not required day to day in an operational key role. We need to get the founders where you know they're focusing on the vision and the culture of the business and that they're coaching rather than playing. In other words, they don't have a key operational role. That's sort of a couple of high level ideas of how to take your business from one step to the next in 30 seconds. The advice that new entrepreneurs get, especially now where every person is sort of being told you need to turn your company into a company that's driven by a personal brand. I wonder then how does that play out if you're thinking about a planned exit, if you are sort of maybe not functional operational in the business, but you are sort of the brand of the business? Well, here's where I'm going to deviate from common thinking. I think a personal brand is a crazy way to go if you're thinking about building your business. If you're thinking of your business and you're thinking of your business as an asset, you don't want the business to be centered around you as a brand. The more the business is reliant on you, the less your business is attractive to be sold. It could be a fashion brand, but if that means you're the key designer, then if someone wants to acquire the business, yeah, 
it, it suggests that the business relies on you being there for the ongoing success of the business. That's a weakness from a valuation perspective. Now, if we extend personal brand and think of it as a reputation and go, what's the reputation of the business? What are the brand values we want associated with the business? What do we want the business to be known for? Then we can start focusing on client journey and customer experience around that brand journey. And we need to make sure that we deliver that consistently and repeatably and reliable. Because if we're not setting expectations for the customer journey, they'll arrive at their own. So the more we forecast and say, here's the expectations, here's what we promise to deliver you as a brand, you can control that. If you don't put any messages out about what you can expect from us from a brand, every person will just arrive at their own assumption of what they think they can expect from you. And you can't control that. And you have no way of delivering it. I'm a fan, I guess, of building a position for the business. What's their position they want to hold in the market? I get that with social media, we've got, you know, key person of influence and we need that people to you know promote that and be the mouthpiece but i believe that we need to promote the brand values rather than the person the more i promote me the more i'm locking myself into the business which makes it worth less as something to acquire different perspectives of people to really think about now for people who are like okay i've been in business for a while i'm still sort of early as an entrepreneur and i'm just kind of curious like what is the valuation for my business how would i go about that if you do a search on the internet you'll find a thousand sites will give you a free valuation and it's a starting point and it's making a whole lot of assumptions. So there's some generalizations around valuation. Like anything that you're selling, it's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. So a valuation is effectively a recognition of future cash flow or future profitability of the business. There's a number of ways to do it, depending on you know if we've got physical assets or if we're a service-based business and how sticky the clients are. Like if I bring a client in, do they stay with my business for years or am I forever looking to buy new clients? One fact is what is my client? Based look. And in other words, what does my revenue look like for the business? That will influence the valuation. Is it continually transactional or is it long term cash flow and contracted revenue? The next thing that I'm looking at that's going to influence valuation is my staff, the people in my business. Do I have to get gurus? You know, that are so well qualified and trained, or can I get anyone into my business and train them in my business? And how long do they stay in my business? Like, what's the pool for potential employees in my business and the longevity and the loyalty of employees in my business? Then I start looking at the systemization of the business. How well structured is it? Are processes done in a consistent, methodical way? Or do I start from scratch every time? Is it totally custom, dependent? And I start from scratch every time I, I go through one of my processes. The more systemized and more structured, it is, the more reliable it is and, and the higher control I've got over my process and therefore my output. The next thing I'll start to look at through a buyer's lens is, do you have any proprietary product? Have you got some sort of IP and it could be product architecture IP or a methodology in some of the consulting firms where if I want that methodology, if I want that product, I have to come to your business to get it. So therefore, you've got some pull in the marketplace. You've got clients coming to you because of your methodology rather than you having to go out to get clients all the time. Next, I want to have a look and go, hey, what are your routes to market, your channels? Where do your clients come from? Do they come through multiple different channels or you know, is it all client referrals only? Is it through your website? Is it through some outbound marketing? Is it through some social media and inbound marketing? If it's a combination of different channels and events and what have you do, you've got a number of different channels that are pulling clients in. The more reliable and predictable those channels are and the more you can assess your cost of client acquisition or your, your customer acquisition and your 
lifetime customer value, the more they are mapped out and documented, the better. Then I'll start to have a look at, you know, what's the brand of the organization? A lot of entrepreneurs, they'll get to a certain size and they'll get to a point where they invest the first time around in getting some branding and proper logos and style guides for their business. It's a rewarding time. But it's still often on a smaller business, that brand is still a, it's a first step for an organization. So I start to ask, how well is the brand known? Is the business brand known in the local area or how widely is that brand known? Or is it really just about Bob who works for Acme? Or is it Acme and Bob works for Acme, if you know what I mean? What comes first, the brand or the person? If we've got a brand that's established, then I'll go, hey, look, that brand is worth something. And then I'll look at all of those things and I'll go, okay, so... These things contribute to the value. And then I'll look at the scalability. Can I take this business and this model and this business model and formula and can I replicate it elsewhere easily? Can I plug and play? Then I've got a beautiful business model that I can replicate. I think Michael Gerber called it a franchise prototype. Great term. So if I've got a plug and play business model or do I have to repeat and redesign too many things to expand above my current location and footprint? So there's another area that will influence evaluation. So they're the things that an acquirer is filtering through the back of their mind. And they're often summed up with a formula. The business formula is always narrowed down to, and this is what the entrepreneurs are looking at. They're going from an entrepreneurial perspective. The formula is a combination of a profit number, often EBIT, which is earnings before interest and tax, a profitability number of the business that's times by a multiplier. So a number that multiplies that profit. But it's often you know, between three and five times the profitability of the business and that reflects a return. A really crude rule of thumb is, and we started by saying what happens on these other websites, is that go, okay, so what industry is your business in? You're in this industry, therefore the multiplier for your industry is this and we'll put in your profit number, therefore there's a valuation. Now I gave you all that other information because I'm going, these are all the things that will influence that multiplier. Yeah. We can't just accept that there's your standard you know, multiplier. It's just a starting point. And when someone gets serious about buying your business, you know, they're all the things they're looking for. They'll dig underneath all the surface information and they'll want to uncover what's really going on. And then that valuation over time, once you're in negotiation, will change sometimes significantly. Profit and a multiplier, there are some standard rules, but what you'll find on general websites is a really rough estimate. Thank you for breaking that down for us, Daryl. You know, so many things were jumping into my mind, and I'm sure it's going to be with the audience too, where you begin to think about, okay, we need this list. You've got to go to succession.plus slash UK slash ebook for this list so that you can actually think through the decisions that you're making to see if you are growing the value of your business as an asset. So thank you so much for talking us through that, Daryl. It wouldn't be okay for me to not ask what has been your biggest lesson talking to entrepreneurs and being an entrepreneur we started this business and i guess it's the biggest lesson after being working with smes since 99 and i've worked with sme business owners in australia in south africa in the uk in the netherlands and a couple in the us and what i've learned and i can only talk about the countries i've worked in there's consistency in the way business owners think and operate and how they behave and make decisions entrepreneurs you know we're invincible we can do anything and we don't think about planning out our exit because you know that's years away and I don't even want to think about that and there's no way I'm going to exit you know through an unplanned exit I'm not going to get hit by a bus am I so the biggest lesson I've learned is that business owners you know life slips by and it happens you know pretty quickly when you look back and they'll get to a point where they go I do want to exit my business and I want to exit now and they haven't done anything to plan for it. And they hope, it's a hope strategy. Entrepreneurs are always optimists. 
and they just hope that they can get their business to a stage that someone will come and offer them something for it. And without planning, they either won't get sold at all, they'll take it to market and it won't get sold, or it'll have some sort of horrific earn-out agreement, or yeah, they'll just have to fold it in because they won't even be able to find someone to acquire it. If you do want to exit on your terms and have a graceful exit and enjoy it and not be wondering if you've got enough money to fund life after business and, and whatever you do next, then you really need to plan it. You need to think about you know, the 21 steps, these 21 things that you need to put into your business to make sure that it is attractive to be acquired. If you don't do that, you're just not going to be one of the 20%. So that's the biggest learning. And that's the whole reason we started Succession Plus in the first place, because we just saw too many business owners weren't aware of what you had to do to achieve that successful exit. If you talk to entrepreneurs today, if you talk to most of them and go, hey, look, business owner, did you know that you need to work on your business and not in your business? And when you say that, that like you, they'll all give a knowing smile and a nod and they go, yeah, I'm familiar with that concept. I know I have to work on my business and not in my business. Now, we can argue whether they're doing it or not, but they're familiar with the concept. If you say to them, you need to prepare your business for exit, they're not aware of that. Again, that's why we created Succession Plus. We need to bring that knowledge to the market. We need to let business owners know that you have to actually prepare your business if you want to exit on your terms and get the most from your life's work. Daryl, what is the number one book that you'd recommend to someone who's early in entrepreneurship? One that you think is really impactful for this early stage? The first one I read when I started was The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. You've got Traction by Gino Wickman. It's also a great read. From the cultural perspective and getting the balance, it's probably a bit dated now, but it's still relevant. The principles and they're the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. Those three books have probably had the biggest impact. There's a number of books around then. They're scaling up. And there's, of course, our book called Enjoy It by Craig West. Craig West is the founder of Succession Plus in Australia, which basically captures our whole methodology and process of, I've talked about the 21 steps. It's captured in Enjoy It. So clearly that's the book I would most highly recommend. Thank you for that, Daryl. Now, my last question is always, what has faith meant to you on your journey? Ending up where I am. I'm a sort of didn't want to die wondering, so I always took a couple of chances. So I guess faith for me is starting on a journey 20 odd years ago as being an entrepreneur and self-employed. Craig West, I worked with Craig in a client space sort of 18, 20 years ago, and we remained friends. I left Australia, moved to the UK, carried on in other works of business. The circle of life is three years ago, we joined forces in business and the Succession Plus business to the UK. And why we figured there's a whole lot of learnings and awareness for entrepreneurs and business owners in the UK that could benefit from some of the latest thinking. And we've also expanded, we've built software to support the business and we've launched that into the US as well. So fate is, I guess, always seeing the bigger picture, always learning and maintain those good relationships in your life and good things will happen. People have to listen to this and listen to this again because there's just so much in it and Get that book and read that book because I think it really will challenge a lot of the things that are sort of being talked to people in the marketplace. And I think it's a really important conversation to have. So thank you so much, Daryl. And where can people follow you online? So where I'm most active is we've got LinkedIn profile. We've got the website succession.plus. Wherever you are around the world, you can get there. 
and that'll take you to a local site. You can download a free copy of the ebook, got a printed version, but you can get a, an ebook version of Enjoy It, which is the book that Craig wrote uh, from our website. And I host my own podcast. I host a podcast called Exit Insights, and that's where we share the story and I speak to all sorts of entrepreneurs and business advisors from around the world, sharing all of their top tips on how to prepare a business for exit and all of the lessons learned on exit planning and working with other business owners to get there. So the podcast Exit Insight is where you'll get all the latest thinking from me. Thank you so much, Daryl. Thanks for having me, Priscilla. I've really enjoyed having a chat with you and sharing uh, thoughts on how to exit your business on your terms. I hope you got a lot of information, a lot of actionable things out of these episodes. Please, two huge favors from you. Please let us know what kind of things you'd like to hear. And if you really love the episode, please support us by going and leaving a review in your podcast listening app. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with the Reinventing Perspectives podcast. We value you. See you again next week. Mm-hmm.